I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to another episode of Early Work. This episode is with the multi-talented Doc Brown, a.k.a. Ben Bailey-Smith, if you're on IMDb, which you are. You may know him from Taskmaster, from collaborating with Ricky Gervais, from rapping about tea on Russell Howard's program, or even from the rap game itself when he used to collaborate with Mark Ronson. Wanted to say Mark Watson there, but I was thinking about early work. In this episode, we get an insight into a lot of those early rap lyrics uh, when he was a kid trying to pretend that he was from the streets, when in reality, the only thing he was dealing was samosas. There's lots of visuals mentioned in the podcast, so I will post all of those on my Instagram, on my Twitter. Both of them are at Reese Jamesy. It's like front covers of sketchbooks that he was drawing loads of different kinds of elephants in. Uh, a few photos of Doc Brown before he was Doc Brown, when he was just Ben with all sorts of different people. So that'll give you some context. I'll post them on there. Um, I also managed to get a compliment on my flow from an actual rapper. So please enjoy that as much as I did. Um, We are starting to now get into the stuff that I'm far more embarrassed about. uh, And I had to read something from when I was, quite frankly, 19. It's another quarantine episode this, so please do excuse any sound issues if you do notice any. Uh, My local internet service simply cannot handle the pressure of everyone's working from home sex drive. Here's the episode. I will see you on the other side. Hope you enjoy it. Joining me today on another quarantine episode of Early Work is the man with the perfect stage name for a multisyllabic rhyming during lockdown. It's Doc Brown. Welcome. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Has that wow. crossed your mind yet? I haven't been thinking in rhyme terms, which is, I think I probably should at some point soon because, uh, uh, you know, some producers have sent me music and stuff. Like, there's a lot of creativity going on right now, isn't there? So quarantine rap so they ask you, you need to bring yeah, back that a kind of thing or just you know new songs or whatever i mean i get a lot of requests every day to do work for people who are never going to pay me i think that's part of the nature <laughs> of being an entertainer right people on instagram going you should do this reese reese why don't you do this well because <laughs> a you're not my boss b who are you and three there's no money so no 
I think I'll do my job. Yeah, I just want to clarify, there is no fee for this podcast, but um, moving on. <laughs> uh, doc slash, aka Ben Bailey Smith, if I had to guess what you were like at school, and I do mm. because it's the first format point of this show. Um, now, I find this found this quite difficult, more difficult than most guests, but then you sent me a picture of you uh, when you were younger, <laughs> posing with Griff Reese Jones, and it made it a bit easier. <laughs> so what is, I think you were uh, on the nerdier outskirts of the cool group. I've put you were excellent at English, and you didn't care much about anything else. Um, Correct. I've said you kept yourself to yourself a fair bit, but then I reckon you excelled in talent shows. Not Correct. exactly like Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> But in the same way that as soon as Napoleon Dynamite starts that dance, he comes alive for the first time. Uh, I've said, I reckon you were one of those kids at school who was weirdly entrepreneurial. Like you would go to the corner shop on your way to school, buy a bunch of refresher bars and then sell them at break time for a big markup. There's loads of kids like that at my school. Is that accurate? The accuracy is absolutely terrifying. (laughs) So beyond that, Yeah, man, I'm really good at this. I actually had a, 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 a Bangladeshi mate whose mum made amazing samosas and we would go and get loads of those freshly cooked that morning from his house and she'd be so pleased that we both loved her samosas thinking, oh, I'm feeding these two boys and we'd just sell them out of Tupperware, 50p each. Amazing. Yeah. 50p and you had zero expenditure as well. So that's a, that's a yeah, 50p zero expenditure. markup. And, and this, is, this is 50p in like 92 do you know I mean, that's a lot of money, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> to a kid as well, 50p. I mean, the possibilities are endless. Oh, big time. Big what time. about the rest of that? I mean, you, you were saying correct as I was going along. So everything on the correct, yeah. outskirts um, of the cool group? 100%, yeah. Uh, you know, I had like four very close friends and we were definitely geeks, definitely nerds. We didn't get invited to the big parties, but occasionally we'd gate crash. Um Things changed when I think we sort of hit 15, 16. I showed you that picture of me as a 15-year-old. A couple of years after the Griff Reese Jones shot where like my hair's grown out, I've got these kind of little dreads and I've slimmed out, you know. So me and a couple of the other boys in our geek group suddenly look like quite handsome young men. And then like girls from the popular group started to take an interest and that boosted us briefly into a higher stratosphere. But most of the time, no, we were... We were weirdos. We were the weirdos, and we were we were all into like indie indie music and grunge and and hip hop, and all of those things. You were basically considered a goth. Do you know what I mean? If you weren't into jungle and garage, then you just weren't. Do you know what I mean? Oh, really? You, you, those you were, were the definitely... things at the time that were like that. The mainstream at yeah, school. Yeah, that was you like be cool. Cool shit. Yeah, yeah. Garage. Yeah, and some hip hop, but it'd have to be like you know, Dr. Dre, just something like undeniably massive you couldn't be into like we were like de la soul souls of mischief do you mean the far side lemon heads you know yeah 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 stone temple pilots come on <laughs> no, no one was trying to hear that shit from a diff- from a different generation those things if you were to tell me like oh when i was at school i was into and then list all those things you just listed i would be like oh therefore you were one of the cool kids yeah, no, it didn't work like that in the nineties. That is not. Yeah, it's, no, it's only with only with uh, nostalgia tinted glasses that those things exactly. are considered baller. Exactly. Um, yeah. The other thing I said was uh, excellent at English, but you didn't care about anything else. Is that true? I mean, it's that's so spot on. It's scary. Is as if you were you you sent some PIs after me or something. I mean, that's a hundred percent true. And one of the big inspirations for this book I'm writing at the moment um, uh, about this kid who 
exactly that. He excels in English and he's an absolute little shit in all the other classes just being, uh, you know, taking a piss out of teachers, trying to make the rest of the class laugh. And uh, that is the only part of that story that is 100% based on on me. Because um, I just wanted to show kids like you could you could study what it's a it's a book for older kids. Um, you know, you could be good at one thing. Um, and whilst everybody says that's not smart, eventually in the future, you're, I mean, you're, you're narrowing your life down to one piece of expertise anyway. Right. So yeah, I sort yeah, of exactly. sell this character as being way, way ahead of his time, but yeah, that's, that's a hundred percent spot on man about the English and the talent show thing. Me and this Kurdish <laughs> kid, there was this Kurdish kid called Jill one who joined in year seven or eight and, um, he could be, he could, um, he could rap. Uh, but not his own rap. He just rapped whatever was popular. So I remember he was rapping like Vanilla Ice and Snoop and uh, uh, just all the really obvious stuff, MC Hammer. And um, people were fascinated by how quickly he could rap. He could barely speak English, but he could rap these these English <laughs> lyrics perfectly. And uh, he was he was really slick and he had a moustache. <laughs> so I, this, at the time, I was... This does sound like Napoleon Dynamite. Basically, it was you and Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> I'd learned how to do a basic beatbox. And uh, he'd heard me doing that for some other kids who did little raps and stuff and for breakdancers. Uh, and he was like, right, you're, you're my beatboxer. <laughs> and I was like, all right, okay. And we performed, I think, maybe Ice Ice Baby to... Uh, to our class at a talent thing so yeah that's spot on as well just to clarify and it, and it went down well i mean your, your classmates it, 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 liked yeah, it it went down very well yeah yeah it went down very well but um, when you say you learned you learned basic beatboxing were you from the <laughs> yeah. boots and cats school of beatboxing or was this so, predate right? it predates boots and cats which my daughter introduced me to but uh yeah it hasn't it hasn't progressed since 91 92 sort of that that kind of era it's still pretty basic there's no bass it's pretty shit do you know what i mean very nice i mean it, yeah. i mean it's better than let me tell you this it's better than anyone else has done on early work before all right <laughs> that was my jade adams was early busting work. out a beatbox you didn't see <laughs> kerry godlyman coming on here with any she wasn't complaining that she didn't have bass enough in her beatbox i mean she had some complaints on the podcast but it certainly wasn't that um <laughs> I'm thrilled that you're on this podcast, actually, uh, because you are the time. only, it has taken a long time, but you're also the only person, the only guest ever on this podcast who actually has a section on their Wikipedia page called Early Work. Really? You've literally got that section. Oh yeah, I was on your Wikipedia page today That's and crazy. it's it says Early Work. No one else has got that. That's because you've lived a life. I love that. I love that there's early work on there. That's funny. I, I remember trying to get involved in Wikipedia one time because someone was like, oh, it says this thing about you. You need to change it, blah, blah, blah. And I got on there. I tried to edit it and they were like, no, you need the authority. And I was like, but I'm that me. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been able to get around that. So if anybody knows how I edit my own Wikipedia page, let me know. I, I just don't get in touch. It. I, I, the only well, time I know there. about it is when I do interviews and people just quote it. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, all oh, right, so, yeah, yeah. I've heard this before. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, I was on there because I like to introduce um, my guests to the audience, just in case they don't know them, and tell them what they're best known for. Uh, mm. And obviously, if you don't know Doc Brown, listeners, Doc Brown is probably best known for when he recommended me in the Observer. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but once it was during, it's called Doc Brown's Cultural Highlights. Um, he chose Reese James. Obviously, that's. 
why he's so respected in the industry um, is because of that. I'm sure you get stopped in the street, don't you? And people say, oh, you're that guy. You're that guy who recommended Reese James in his cultural highlights, yeah. right? People say- it's, it is the number one question. And then there's there's some Gervais <laughs> stuff further down the line. But people, a lot of people ask me, what's it like knowing Reese James, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And then you... <laughs> I know you say it's obviously it's excellent every now and then he forces me to talk about my childhood so that he can profit from it and it pays me nothing. I guess on, a, on a serious note I feel like I was one of your early champions I, I, I just remember seeing you and no one had made me laugh that hard for a while and when you're in the game and you're just seeing comedians every night like I was that makes a difference. And I think the longevity is, is that's, that's the validation for me. The fact that you're still here <laughs> because obviously there's a lot of dudes who come and go. So it can't be going that well, mate, because I've got a podcast now and that's never a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> but that actually brings me, speaking of us working together uh, very early on, actually, uh, it brings me to the next thing you're best known for, which is you headlined the third ever gig that I did. I don't know if you remember this gig, but it was at the Hideaway in Tufnell Park and it was a gong show called Stand Up and oh Deliver. Oh my God. Do you wow, remember? Do you I remember was really new. I was really new. So I yeah, was yeah. with my friend, my friend, I was with my friend, he lived he lived just across the road and he told me about it i don't know why i got involved I, all i can say is i was just super super green but i remember it being hellish um <laughs> she, he, i wish i hadn't said his name now because he had an, a bizarre sexual encounter in the alleyway to the side of that place <laughs> same night oh, fuck, fuck, maybe wow. you could just blank his blank his name out um but that was uh, that was quite <laughs> memorable that was the thing i remember most about that night Unfortunately, I don't remember you, but um, you well, I been, I won, I you won actually, won, surely, because I remember the standard being awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, oh, well, I think I it's was new. It was so, but you'd already won. So the the prize for winning was you come back and headline, and you'd already won it the, it the month okay. before. Right. And you were headlining it. And uh, it was mind blowing because obviously you were, it was, you were doing mostly rap in your set, mm. comedy raps. It was um, Vicky, why'd you leave me? Is it because oh you caught me God. working off to that bird on GMTV? I know I've got the words Jesus. in my head still from that gig. That's yeah, crazy. it was. I was just, it was just a Lorraine Kelly phrase. I promise you, babe. Back to Nigella these days. I remember it, mate. It's in That's the head. It, it, I don't even remember those lyrics, but I do remember that. I would certainly remember. Yeah, you headlining that, and it, everyone being like, "Oh, this is a headliner." compared to like the rest of the standard mm. it was like oh right that's, there's, I, I there's that's a professional the, that's, comedian that's why i moved so quick i don't think i was the funniest or even the most adept because i didn't know a lot about stand-up but i knew already knew a lot about performing and just being sort of trying to be electric and and, and grab people's attention i knew all about that already so that sort of fast-tracked me in a way that was great in some ways it meant i started earning money quickly but in other ways i just there was loads of things i wasn't ready for so number one i had so much self-confidence despite having never watched stand-up before outside of eddie murphy <laughs> um richard Pryor, and peter k right i'd never watched stand-up i watched loads of comedies, holy trinity not stand-ups <laughs> yeah right uh uh, having never really done it, never had any interest in it and anything like that, I was so self-confident that I just wrote reams and reams. And I remember being in Bristol at some terrible gig and I was like, I've got 40 minutes. They were like, hey, do you think you could, you've got 20? That you, I was like, I've got 40 minutes. And they were like, really? I was like, yeah, I've got, I've got tons of stuff. <laughs> so I was just up there talking for ages, right? And I remember coming off and Sean Walsh was there and I, I think I'd maybe met him once before. But we became fr- friends after this because he said, look, maybe a lot of people won't 
um, be honest with you, or uh, do you mind if I give you a bit of advice? And I was like, no, no, go for it. And he was like, if you were doing a talk, that it would have been fascinating. He was like, you've got a lot, you've got like a rich, <laughs> you've got like a rich vein of stuff. You're like what stand-ups dream of. You've got so much interesting content, but that's really all it is. Like you need to write some jokes. And I was like, fuck, he's right. Like I went back and looked at the reams of paper and I was like, there's just loads of information here. Just tons and tons of information oh, and mate. anecdotal stories. Like, but there's not really any jokes. And is this before is this before TEDx became a thing? Is this before TED Talks blew up and you could have just been huge on the TED Talk circuit? Oh, mate, everything I've done in my whole career is just before some fucking medium that would make you way richer or way more famous. Everything. Like yeah, the, battle circuit, the battle circuit in rap. I was like killing it on a national stage in terms of like battling rappers from wherever and, and winning competitions, winning money and all of that. But YouTube didn't exist. People didn't even really have camera phones that could capture any video, really. You know, they might have had the flip up Motorola that could take a crap picture, but it's all like word of mouth. Like the dude who became champion after me in the jump off was Professor Green, you know, and the way we were killing rappers in those days, if any of it was just shot, people would be like, oh, that guy, you know, but I yeah. just proceeded that preceded that well that so that's where you got the confidence from right that you were talking about when you were doing stand-up yeah, and yeah, you were yeah. super confident. nothing was scary as battling because the atmosphere i mean we were just complaining about gong shows being a bad atmosphere but a battle rap crowd oh my god and in those days you know i don't know if you've seen any of like don't flop or the like the modern age of rap battling which is amazing but it's it's more like comedy like you the the, the vibe of it is like stand-up snapping at each other like roasting each other you know and getting the big laughs is what it's all about. Whereas when I did it, it was still fucking really aggressive, man. With really unpleasant people a lot of the time. And the reason I made a name for myself was because I went the other way with it. Um, another thing that I'll, I'll never get credit, credit, credited for because it was before 8 Mile. So everyone was just thinking, oh, well, that's just from 8 Mile. But I that, that scene at the end of 8 Mile where he disses himself it really resonated with me because that's what I used to do because, you know, I had these chunky glasses. No one bought me as being a dude from the street. And that's what always made me um, fearful of going into battles. But the more like confident, the more I thought, no, I can do this. The more I thought, you know what? I'm, I know what they're going to say. So I'll just be self-deprecating and funny and just totally cut through the tension of this moment. And it really, really worked almost all the time. You know, because at that time, that was still a really refreshing thing to see, like a rapper sort of having a go at himself and then having a go at you. Um, you know, I remember like some black rapper like taking the piss out of me because I was mixed race, you know. And uh, I remember in the in the final verse, I was doing really well against him and he just kept coming with this kind of racist shit. And in, in, in the final verse, I said something about um, the, 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 the saddest part about uh, you dying in this battle is, is that I beat you with my white half. I didn't tell you. <laughs> I, I can't remember how I did it, but it was just like, the, everyone was just like, <laughs> So going backwards a little bit, because you, you, it was quite a natural progression for you to go from rap uh, into stand-up, as you say, yeah. it's sort of like accidentally blended in. Hmm. A little bit earlier, going back to your talent shows at school, how 
easy of a progression was it to go from beatboxing to rap? I mean, they're literally <laughs> next to each other. So you well, just always... the, you on stage beatboxing with your mm. mate, with your moustached mm. mate who could mm. rap really fast, and that was yeah. his skill. That was his thing, yeah. And he looked <laughs> slick. He looked slick. He had a little chain. Uh, yeah, he was the man, Jill One. Um, but, yeah, I think I always found it difficult because I, I always had my little rhymes, but I kept them to myself. I didn't tell anybody, even my best friends, that I was writing them. Um, and if you think about the era, once I hit like 14, 15, we're talking about, what year are we talking about? Like 94, 93, 94, right? So um, that era of rap, I mean, mainstream rap at that time was like hardcore shit, like Wu-Tang, Nas, you know, um, Dr. Dre, gangster shit and and like street stuff was, there, you didn't really have commercial rap like you did in say like 1990 when you had mc hammer and arrested development and uh vanilla ice 93 94 it went underground and rap was hardcore and if you weren't hardcore as a person it's like you couldn't rap so like i was also i had a little indie band at the same time and i noticed even then as a kid it's like to do rock and roll or in like no one really gives a shit about your story like if you're posh, you might have a garage and all the equipment and people can come and practice there. Great. You know I mean? That's a bonus, surely. Uh, in, in rap, it's like, everything's questioned. Wait a minute. Where are you from? What, who's, who do you know? Like, who's this guy? Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. So even though I, you know, I, I grew up on a council estate and all of that, I just didn't feel, because I just not, I was never a street guy. Like I knew street kids, and that just wasn't my world, like at all. But I loved rap and it took me ages to marry that concept of like, it's okay. Like, this is what you feel to do. So it's fine. And it was actually battling that helped me develop that strong sense of, well, this is who I am. I don't really give a fuck. Like you can make you, if you've got a problem with it, it says more about you than about me. But that initial process from being sort of like 12 and beatboxing to being like, 18 and actually rapping in public nah that was super hard that was super hard i pref- much you're doing yourself that. a disservice i think i mean you're saying that you didn't have this background in the streets but you were hustling you were dealing i mean you were dealing samosas you were on the grind <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> opening, up, opening up a big coat with lined with samosas <laughs> what are you looking for what do you need um but you so you were writing them but you're writing them you're writing raps and rhymes yeah. or were they just and- were they raps or were they just rhymes what I was really looking for in preparation for this podcast was some of the rhymes that I used to write um, for girls. Cause that's initially how it started. Really. I'd write these little poems, love poems for girls that I had huge crushes on. Um, and I, I wrote this one for Vanessa. And I thought maybe I still had that, but I couldn't find it, but that's really how it was born. I realized I, I found it quite easy to find a rhyme for something, you know, and in those English classes where they'd be like, you've got to write a poem or whatever, you've got to make sure that you've got these couplets. And I'd watch kids going, oh, what the hell the fuck? Nothing rhymes with this. Nothing rhymes. And I just think this is so easy to me. Do you know what I mean? So that, that was another little confidence booster. But it's so different writing a rhyme and saying a rhyme like you know that sure. you've memorized in front of people like i mean you'll know from doing stand-up like you can write incredible stuff in your in your room but like it's it's the difference between saying you're a fighter and actually getting punched in the face like, <laughs> you, you can train all the fuck you want 
But when you get punched in the face and your knees go, like shit just gets very real <laughs> very quickly. And all your it's plans go out the window. It's great that you view reading out poetry as being punched in the face. I mean, I think that's how a lot of audiences hear it as well. <laughs> it's not a popular medium but no that's the point of this podcast right is that like essentially I, what i've tried to do is get loads of people who wrote loads of stuff when they were younger but never mm. had the confidence to say it wait right, until okay. they're literally performers with confidence and then go right, right now you can right. say it you've obviously got the hindsight of being able yeah. to go oh, i was 10 it was shit but still it's all about like no now i open myself up for a living so i'm willing to expose yeah, these like things that. but at the time i suppose i'm a bit of an like, anomaly in that i was doing a lot of stuff like anyway yeah you did know, also read it. it yeah you did also <laughs> wrap it the, the love poems you wrote for girls did they ever mm. did you ever give them to the girls or did, were they did you keep them secret uh, i think i delivered one to a girl that i was absolutely obsessed with called what's her name rachel her name was rachel uh and um she had no idea i've never said a word to her she had no idea i existed uh and then one day i posted it through her door i knew where she lived <laughs> sounds really creepy i did this uh, i did this <laughs> same thing through her door and ran away and then when there was no response whatsoever ever or even acknowledgement in school like oh yeah got the little thing nothing <laughs> good or bad the hatred that bubbled inside me for this girl. I was like, <laughs> how fucking dare you not respond? <laughs> and it's just I so did ridiculous. Thing. And, you know, I look back and think, of course I was going to end up a stand-up comedian. I was such a needy little prick. Like, I just, yeah. desperate. everywhere I went, everything I did, you can tell, even looking through this stuff now that I wanted to share with you, like, it's like, it's, this guy just needs love, like, so badly. He needs anyone to just go, hey, well done. You're really good. You're re <laughs> and also, you're really handsome. Well done. Yeah, really man. I, wanted, <laughs> I posted a poem through a girl's letterbox once that um, I, I didn't really know her very well, but I posted her a poem that was called Without You. Oh, my and, God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was every line was like, without you, and then something bad about my life. Um, <laughs> that with, with her, my life would be so and, and fruitful it's and so uh, when much she, pressure she, yeah yeah i mean she didn't acknowledge that because i mean i imagine it's in the hands of the authorities now <laughs> oh, <fuck laughs> me. unacceptable stuff and also like that was, when I was like 15 then when i was like seven i put a um valentine in a girl who had just joined the school within the last three days in, in her tray oh right okay. remember it's you'd get, you'd get a tray <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah, <laughs> so yeah i just left it in her tray and then i I literally watched as she took it out of the tray, looked at it confused, and then just threw it in the bin. Oh, God. That's like that Imagine scene in The Simpsons <laughs> where, where Bart goes, look, if you pause here, you can see exactly where Ralph Wiggum's heart breaks. <laughs> Essentially, if, you'd have, if you could pause there, when I saw that, you can see exactly the moment Reese James has to become a comedian. That's exactly... <laughs> <laughs> and at that moment, I knew. Brilliant. The work that you uh, the work that you did, you sent me some stuff. It was all uh, it's a pretty eclectic uh, selection. <laughs> what do you want to talk about first? I mean, you got a bunch of drawings of elephants. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's the <laughs> earliest work I could find. Uh, I'm gonna say this is 1983, maybe. I I think I'm about five or six. Okay, and that's a guess because I think and seven. Seven, you start to work out a bit of you work out shit about life, don't you? And you you know that you're not invincible, and and think you think deeper at seven. There's the joy in these pictures. I think definitely it's pre seven. 
I, I, think, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm five. five or First six. of all, can you describe to the listener yes. what the front cover of your sketch pad looks like? Okay, so the front cover is in r- remarkably good condition. It's uh, the official A-Team sketch pad. So for the younger listeners, A-Team was this <laughs> bizarre kids show um that was set up like a hardcore action show with guns um and it was this gang who would do anything to sort of keep america safe and it'd be a different backwater town every week and they'd show up um and solve a problem that a, a, a really lovely young lady or a poor old man was having with some horrible gangsters or terrorists in their area and they would battle against these bad guys with guns or things that one of the characters, B.A. Barakas, would invent. Um, No one would ever get killed, though, because it was for kids. So cars would explode, uh, machine guns constantly fired at people, um, but you'd always see the bad guys get up like and hold their heads like, oh, oh," just sort of dazed, like wandering around. (laughs) Um, and it had a, an incredible theme tune. And and for boys, especially in the 80s, it was like it was the show. So that it's it's just a branded sketch pad. Yeah, and so with all that in mind, blank. yeah, it makes perfect sense that of course. they would have a sketch pad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Open it up to the first page. Naturally, the first picture is in homage to my 18 yes. heroes. And it just says, uh, well, it's a picture of the 18 van, which was this awesome black, sort of like camper van, really, with a red stripe down the side. Um, and so I've ri- I've drawn that superbly. And next to that, I've just put Ben Smith. And then I've done 18 van. in. I've written that in bullet holes. And I've drawn a little gun. Very clever. That. Very on in brand. Holes as well. I think that's You've drawn a gun, they drawn a gun in bullet holes in with... Bullet holes. <laughs> Coming out of it, shooting a bullet. What a confusing piece of art! (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, there's some depth in that, surely. I mean, that could be a museum's. This is boys, but that's like a Banksy. That, yeah. I mean, I was just way sort of saying, I I interpret that to be sort of saying that, like, uh, you know, if, if you're the one, even if you're the one doing the shooting, you're also the one who suffers the most. Exactly. So you, yeah. no your gun's wins. pointing back at you every time you fire it. You know that for, you know that saying. Um, every time, every time you point your finger, there's three fingers pointing back at you. Yeah, nice. I like that. Or every time you do the peace sign, you're actually telling someone behind you to piss off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember peace, that. Right? That was a that was a mind blowing piece of information <laughs> at school, wasn't it? That peace sign <laughs> thing. It's like what? Um, what? And pretty soon. <laughs> the A-team inspiration dries up. <laughs> I mean, that is to... it. That's the only A-team related picture in now, the whole sketch. I, I'm not as into the A-team as you, but correct me if I'm wrong, not very elephant heavy as a show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was ever an elephant. And there was occasionally animals maybe, but maybe someone will put me right. But I don't remember ever seeing an elephant in the A-team. And yet, as you turn the page in the sketch pad, um there's a subtitle that just says elephants uh in that classic way where you're, you're a kid and you started too far to the right so you can't be in the last letter <laughs> you just put yeah. it underneath elephant yeah n and t is squeezed in yeah, so squeezed in. 
the, the I've tried to do sort of block letters, but really struggled with like the A and the N. I don't know what I'm, it gets. The A is very MC Escher, actually. It's it's pretty pretty odd. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a picture. Not of only that though. Gone. At the bottom, there's a man who's looking at the elephant who is saying, oh, no, but yeah, true to form, that. your speech bubble was too small. <laughs> You've had to add and extend the speech bubble. So it just says O-N and an extra bit that says O. <laughs> and then another bit of speech bubble to incorporate an exclamation mark because I was not <laughs> oh, yeah. An extra bit. Yeah, 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 you need the punctuation. And what's great about it, on this one and on the next picture – you can see the felt tip bullet holes from other drawings coming yeah. through wow. on top of these elephants. Where's that from? I don't even know where that's from. Okay. Must have torn that out and I realized. Because the second drawing you've sent me is yes. Lady Elephant. Nice Lady Elephant, it says. Oh, sorry, I missed and, nice. It's behind some yeah. bullets. <laughs> <laughs> and she is clearly a lady elephant because she, with her trunk, she waters the flowers and she has eyelashes. And I think <laughs> what, what's interesting about this is that a lot of boys, I don't think, would have drawn that. You know, I, I think my gender politics were already in a good place um as a really are you claiming to yeah. have been woke even as was, a five-year-old i was well woke before all of this stuff i mean i was crossing me two lines as well at the same time so it's complex the last elephant that i've got is uh bad elephant bad and this elephant. elephant is in is in prison is he i think that's a fence i assumed it was pr- i assumed it was prison but you the problem is that okay. you've put you put the bars behind the elephant, so it's from the perspective of inside the elephant's We're cell. In the cell with him. <laughs> okay, that's. A really I mean, that's pretty exciting. Reading. That's a really interesting reading because from my reading, I was like, "There's a ball bouncing. There's little bounce lines underneath a football." So I, I think the story is there's an elephant in the garden next door to this kid whose ball's gone over, and he's climbing ah. the fence to look for his ball. But bad elephants just sprayed him with whatever comes out of an elephant's trunk. <laughs> elephant saliva. Um, Tell you what, though, you've learned sorry. something because the boy is saying, oh, no, yeah, with two exclamation marks, and it's oh, all in one speech bubble. No, got it all in one speech bubble. <laughs> um, and then I've let myself Very down clever. with a little bird who's watching the uh, this action unfold. I've let myself down because he's supposed to say ha ha in his speech bubble. But for some reason, he says ha ah, ha ah, ha ah. It's the last one. It's police elephant. Um, he signified by the siren on his head. Uh, he has a bad guy coiled up in his trunk. So oh, nice! A long chunk of the law. The siren has. <laughs> The siren has Nino, Nino, Nino written all around it. And the speech bubble from Police Eleven is hello, hello, hello. So I think... That's pretty cl- That's pretty good stuff for a five-year-old. Do you know what I mean? I, like, I definitely... I, having children uh, who are now big, but I remember them both. Neither of them were producing shit like that at five. The, the work was rubbish. You know, you go to the that's nursery and they give, oh, look at what they've created. You'd be like, what am I supposed to do with this? Not putting that in my fridge. It's a fucking mess. You know what? It's actually that's actually quite a good um, advert for why you should have children, which is to really give yourself confidence in 
how much of a genius you were as a kid, given how thick exactly. you can prove all children exactly. are by just 100%. having them and going, I'm gonna, by, by your age, is that why parents all do that? Do you think they're constantly yeah. going, Oh, I was 21. I was, I was already doing this. I'd already really? achieved this. Yeah. And I think parents do that a lot because they haven't actually achieved that much. And they're going through a midlife crisis because they look at their kids and like, Oh my God, you're the smarter, younger, better looking version of me with way more options. And as they start resenting their kids, and they go, oh, by your age, I was doing this, I was doing that. But actually, they haven't achieved that much in their life. Whereas for me, the genius that I had as a five-year-old is what I put to work every day until I became paid for my genius. You're lucky to have an impressive career now because otherwise you'd be saying, yeah, fine, you're the younger, better looking version of me with more options, but have you ever drawn a fucking police elephant? Don't think so. So back no. in your box, mate. Yeah, 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 just wind your neck in. So yeah, so every day I'm able to say, look my kids in the eye, hold them by the hand, look them in the eye and say, you're nothing to me and your achievement levels <laughs> frankly, are frankly pathetic. All my creative ability and genius pays for all this shit that you enjoy. I'm the Don here. I'm the daddy. Literally, never forget that. So what's the, the other thing you sent me uh, that you took a picture of from a notebook is this rap that oh, begins God. with the line on a bagel. So it starts from the page before that. It goes, uh, I'm lacking in patience. No, no, wait. Oh, yeah. Um, here we go. Believe. I'm adding thoughts all the time. Because I rhyme. Because I rhyme. I come clean like Mr. Sheen through the grease and the grime. Little advert there for Mr. Sheen. Why not? <laughs> that's, that's really hard. Uh, I like this because it's so innocent. Um, staying true to what I believe like Rosa Parks. That's important. <laughs> sure. making, making you smile and then think like Groucho Marx. Oh, it, it works. It definitely works. So bad. Fulfill my task, and then I bask in the sun's rays. I'm funky like the MGs or the OJs. My parents' records. No one who would ever listen to this would know what the fuck I'm talking about. There, <laughs> uh, I'm here to stay, and you best get used to it. Just hear the rhymes, then the beats, and get loose to it. I keep it hot, like it's eighty degrees. Whoa mind-bending similes here you know what? i think uh, i think kano's got quite a similar lyric to that genuinely <laughs> it's true actually i literally heard a skeptic song where he said um uh, uh i'm cold like ice cream in the chorus so there you go he it, it, seriously I saw in in night night the song that kano does with mike mm. skinner oh yeah I, I, i'm pretty sure there's a the lyrics like um and she's hot like 80 degrees mm. I wow. can't remember what's before it or what's after it, but you were so ahead of your time and yeah. Kano's time. And this is like 94. I'm really innocent. I've not, I've, I'm a virgin, I think. Yes. Um, you know, and, uh, and it's just loads of really terrible similes like that. Like it's, I keep it hot like it's 80 degrees, spreading my rhymes all smooth like cream cheese on a bagel. Oh, your oh, uns- that's where a bagel yeah. comes in. Cream cheese and then <laughs> on a bagel. new line on a bagel. You're unstable like Fat Mabel. I don't know who that is. Uh, Frank- <laughs> Frankly, dear, I don't give a damn like Clark Gable. Don't think that's the exact quote. Um, <laughs> if you think this is over, you you better grab your times table. Ooh, threatening. Mul- <laughs> multiples of rhymes I kick because I'm able to hit you with these classic tales like Aesop's Fables or Aesop's Fables, I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, phenomenon, 
I go mana mana like Jim Henson. This is random now. <laughs> this is stream of consciousness. <laughs> shit. Serving shit to you like that black butler Benson. Now there's a old school ref. So this was a show when I was a kid. There was an American show that was on Channel Four, I think, called Benson, and it was just about this really rich black family who had a black butler called Benson. And in my school, like if you did something for someone. Like, hey, bruv, pick that up for me. And you did it. They go, ah, you're my Benson, bruv. You're my Benson. <laughs> <laughs> look at this Benson. Wow. It became like a look at that Benson. Look at, look at him. We were just going, like, you're too young. But when, when we were kids, you used to be able to buy cigarettes and sing- singles. Like, you could buy a, a single fag from an open. So that was like a classic wow. job for a Benson. Do you know what I mean? You, so you go and get a, 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 a two cigarettes for Jason. And you're like, yeah, I've got my own personal <laughs> but Benson, bro. Uh, anyway, in this, uh, you call yourself Benson because you're serving, know, you're serving so shit weird. to the listener. I diss myself. So is, that, is that, yeah, you being self-deprecating already I here? No, I don't think I was clever enough. I, f- I think I just thought that, I think you can tell from a lot of these that I, I was still in that really early stage where I'm just looking for words that rhyme really. Like nothing yeah, you really can... goes together. I go manamana like Jim Henson. I mean, that's the, it's just, I think, because I, I, before that I've written phenomenon. So that's obviously just made me think phenomena. That sounds like phenomena. Yeah, yeah, of course. You tried to rhyme phenomena, phenomena, Jim yeah. Henson. <laughs> oh, I'm kind of like Benson. <laughs> it's desperate. Then it goes, ready or I'll not. I'm fat Mabel. <laughs> ready or not, I'm about to take you on a ride like Clint Eastwood does with that st- stupid monkey Clyde. So I think this is a reference to Every Which Way But Loose, which was a movie that got repeated on TV quite a lot in the 80s and 90s. But I, Which you do I, reference in the next line. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why? I don't know why I have to say the stupid monkey Clyde. It's not Clyde's fault. Is it? It's actually animal abuse. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I roll Any Which Way But Loose in my caboose. Don't think I knew then or now what a caboose is. it wasn't worth it but anyway um after caboose i say give me a sip on your slush puppy this is not a euphemism because i'm genuinely a virginal uh innocent kid i say so i roll any which way but loose in in my caboose give me a sip on your slush puppy and i'll suck out all the juice so i think that's my way of saying oh i'm gonna ruin your your uh, flavoured ice. That's, it's yeah. no wonder and that, that such guy. a rap battling champion was going to emerge <laughs> when you look at the kind of insults that were being thrown <laughs> early doors. Ooh. It's so funny this because when I look back, and obviously I wouldn't. Well, I say obviously you wouldn't know this, but um, my main job as I got older was doing youth work. Um, that's how I made a living whilst I was rapping. You know, occasionally get paid to rap, but most of the time I was doing youth work. So as I got older, I'd be around actual 14-year-olds. I mean, I thought they're, they're badass. Do you know what I mean? And some of them would yeah. rap. And it'd all be street shit. It'd be like, yeah, I'm shot in work. Rah, 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 rah. I carried a ting for so-and-so. Rah, rah, rah. My man got stabbed. Rah, rah. I was look back at this. Like, give me a sip on your slush puppy and I'll suck out all the juice. <laughs> so it's so clear to me that my world then, my world then was like my three or four nerdy close friends and then just family, do you know what I mean? Because that's what my little brother would have done. He would have sucked all the juice. He was like seven. He would have sucked all the juice if I gave him a sip of my slush puppy. It would have made me really mad. 
So I'm saying I'm flipping it. Like, what's the worst thing I can think of? Oh, I'll suck all the juice out of your slush coffee. I'm that guy. So in a beautifully circular way, I've just realized after that, I say, you're surprised to hear me. I had you shook like maracas. You knew I had a bad attitude like Barakas, which is a reference to B.A. Barakas, the A-team. B.A. is for bad attitude. Um, And then I say, so stay away from my mic, fool, which I would have done in the B.A. voice. Yeah, it's in quotation marks. Yeah, because I've got the quotation marks. Stay away from my mic, fool. Um, And then I say, trying to act hard like you was packing a tool. And this is an important line, actually, now that I look at it, because as I got a bit better and started rapping a bit more seriously and got rid of all these terribly corny like uh, similes. My main sort of position was about other rappers that I knew from London who would talk about guns and knives and shit. And they were like as nerdy as me. Like they didn't, ever, they didn't have guns. Do you know what I mean? They didn't have any of that shit. So that became my sort of position. I was going to be that rapper that called out other rappers. And then I obviously grew out of that as well. Point, mate. Well, I've got to, I've got to rate you on three categories. Okay. The categories are originality, mm-hmm. pure teen horniness, and <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> Mickey Mouse Club slash Ryan Gosling Ryan Goose score, which is uh, how much potential does it represent? How much does it show the right. star that you went on to become? Interesting. So they're all out of five, so it's a total score of fifteen. So originality. Uh, now, first of all, I've never seen so many drawings of elephants in my life. So. <laughs> There's got to be a couple of points there because there's all different types of elephants. Scary thing. Um, the fact that one of them was so open to interpretation, I thought an elephant was in jail from the perspective <laughs> of inside the cell, and you thought it was just a fence. So I've got to give you a couple of points for that. Rap wise, um, I would say uh, it's fi- I'm fifty fifty on whether they're original or not they're because terrible man. They're so some of the themes. Some of the themes are very unoriginal. They're very yeah, teenager. Very some of those teenager, themes, but there's a couple couple of lines in there like the fact you can talk about mr sheen rosa parks and jim henson in the same (laughs) verse is absolutely insane i think originality i'm going to give you a three out of five i think that's i think there's super generous i've just there's hints i've just seen a line oh go on i've just seen a line that says lips is loose like necks on a goose So, I okay, think I'm going to give you zero out of five. <laughs> yeah, you were doing so. No, three out of five. Um, pure teen horniness. Now, yes, from the conversation, mm. I, I would have thought these would be hornier. You certainly presented a, a hornier view of your teenage self. I was, I was very, I was to, very. But I, I the thing you have to, these, to understand about the raps is there was a part of me that deep down thought I would be doing all of these on a stage pretty soon because everybody's going to want to hear. And and when you're that age creating stuff, it's not like when, you know, you get into the, 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 the that rich vein of stand-up where you start talking about what you really want to talk about. I was nowhere near that. So I would have been terrified to actually talk about the truth, like humping pillows or, you know. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think every verse, the more I flick through them, they're sort of very carefully structured to make me look good, but humble, really smart, uh, clever, hard hitting. Um, with yeah, I think if you're going to look at the. If you can look at the teen horniness category, you've got to look a little bit under the surface exactly. with this. Exactly. So, okay. first of all, you've got to look at the 
insane amounts of pent up frustration coming yeah. out in a lot of these that you seem to be taking out on TV. <laughs> um, but we know. <laughs> Secondly, you've got to ask yourself why is anyone at this age really writing rap? And as you say, it's because yeah. you're trying to impress a specific group of society, mm-hmm. that group being all women. Uh, so I think there's some horniness in there. Plus, whether you say it's a euphemism or not, if you're threatening to suck the juice out of someone's slush puppy, <laughs> there's something going on there that I'm not happy with. So, teen horniness. I'm going to go four out of five. Brilliant. Um, now, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose. Right at the time, I as well. Okay, yeah, the <laughs> there you go. And when we get a clip, when we clip up this uh, podcast, they just put one on social media. That's the sentence I'm going to use. <laughs> so. <laughs> Ryan Gosling, Ryan score, Mickey Mouse Club score. Um, how much potential did it show for who you went on to become? Now, obviously, you've written raps. You've written funny raps. Some of these raps are a little bit funny. There's little jokes in there. You've done loads of – you've been very successful writing funny raps. Plus, there's some self-deprecation in some of these. Um, so you do get in early in the comedic yeah, way. You call yourself yeah. Benson. So there is an element of it. I mean, I don't want to insult you by, <laughs> by saying, well, this is no different to uh, – to what i can see on youtube today um but i will give you a positive score i'll give you a i'll give you a three out of five for mickey mouse club score because there's definitely there's definitely the lyrical there's lyrical aspects of it in you can see that this is the early work of someone who went on to write my property so okay that makes it a 10 out of 15 that's a very respectable score i would say i'll take that yeah i'll take that And now it comes to the stage where I must read you something that I wrote, uh, <laughs> part of my early work. Now this, I always try and get something I think is going to be appropriate for the guest. Luckily, I have a document uh, on my computer called Some Rap Shit. Wow. So I'll read you this. Now, I okay, didn't know how this relevant one? this, uh, I don't want to say, but I was 19. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not ideal that I was nineteen, all right. All right. So this is more relevant to what we've been talking about than I thought it would be. You've I've noticed something that you've also noticed, albeit years later. Now, here we go. Okay. <clears throat> Rappers like to indulge, divulging information about their history, lives, crimes, and reputation, stating simple memories, embellished with a pen or three, then making threats they can't subject. I'll put you in a cemetery. Heaven, please, if you exist, won't you just tell us, please? Because I'm sick of rappers claiming that they come from hell, it seems. Reasonably clear to me that I'm here to be an ear to see logic, an eye to hear hot shit, the type this tear watches. I type my tight topics, I write my rhymes topless. I bite on my top lip, I might provide watches. This type of line blotches, tonight this guy cotches. This verse makes no sense, but it rhymes, and that's what kids like. It's time we moved on and made a proper song. We know that models rhymes with bottles if you put a Yankee accent on. Okay. So you really hated rap. <laughs> I didn't hate rap at all. I just wanted to do some sort of self-referential. Yeah, you yeah. know, I just wanted to like break something down. It was just when the, you're 19, I think you're everything's so meta, isn't it? Oh you're just analyzing yeah, big time. Everything. And, and everything's super important. There's definitely some vitriol towards shit rappers in there, which is reminiscent of what I was doing at the, at the same age. But there's moments in there where the flow you know, and the, the way you've the way you've structured the multi-syllabic rhymes and that is decent. The thing that I noticed yeah, that's I really really similar to both of us. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that matches is that there's a little thing in there that we mentioned earlier, where I literally just like start rhyming pointlessly, mm. and then I acknowledge it doesn't make any sense, but it rhymes, and yes. that's what people want to hear. Uh, 
And there's this other little extra bit that was in the document. I'll just read you this because there's okay. one line in it. I just, I don't think anyone will ever understand this. I know what it means. <laughs> I just want to see if you can decipher it. All right. Nice. Um, with these pretensions of artistry, it's hard to see past to the harsh blast that the farce is me. I didn't make varsity. I passed the parcel half-heartedly. Yeah, I'm smart. <laughs> you're half as hard as me, but I can hardly part the sea. I'm no deity. Obey it, said Moses. But why did he say it when he could just spray it? Like he did to that <laughs> sea that was red like roses. A rose is what grows when you posies drop the seeds. I drop the beats per minute. Ain't no doctors stopping me. Your winter's twice as hot as me till I decide to drop an E and I become the BST. Wow. Okay, there's a lot happening in there. Um, what uh, now? Yeah, there's there's like m metaphors and similes within other metaphors and similes. So the thing about being like <laughs> not, Moses, not potentially like Moses who 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 parted that sea like that was red like roses. It's like fucking hell. Okay, <laughs> right. We're, we're we're in the like of like of like of likes now. It's like inception. <laughs> But my main question is, why were you writing these? Why were you writing raps? I don't know. Why does anyone do anything? I was just what were you doing uh, bored and lovely. Were you performing in any kind of way, shape or form at the time? No, 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 no. So I, uh, no, this would have been, I'd have been, I probably had been doing stand up for like a f a six months. Right. Maybe, a, maybe, I think I was 18, 19 when I wrote this. So yeah, about six months. And maybe I, I eventually did poems on stage but not for like spoken wordy things occasionally in shows, but not for like six or seven years of doing stand up did I start doing that. Wow, so okay. maybe this is like building up to that, but they weren't really rappy those things anyway. But uh, there's the one line I wanted to see if you got mm. is um, your winter's twice as hot as me till I decide to drop an E and I become the BST. Yeah. What was the, the BST, the Br British Standard Time? What's that? British summertime, but the reason it's British summertime. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. When, when it's twice as me, I decide to drop an E. I become the BST. Hmm. It's nice. So basically, the the reason uh, the reason I wrote it, I thought I was a genius when I wrote that. I remember writing it because drop an E and become the BST. I'm basically saying I'm the best. But if you drop an E, drop an E, I'm the I'm, I'm the BST. That's fucking sick. And I was That's like, actually sick. Um, <laughs> it's it. not because people have I to like understand that. it. People yeah, do have to dope. understand it. That's dope. That's dope. <laughs> I, I was never yes I was, I was never that good with the those super clever rhymes you know but i love hearing them man like that when i was a kid there was a rapper called big l he had a lyric where he said uh he's talking about his youth running around doing burglaries and he, he said uh breaking in cribs with a crowbar i wasn't poor i was po i couldn't afford the or which I was just like, that's, oh, wow. that's next level shit. I loved it. It's not as good as dropping E and become the BST, but no, it is good. No, but it's good. I never, I, I just never seem to come up with those kind of things. I always went more for like an overall concept and focused on my flow. And that's what, that's what I, that's what I always did. Uh, it wasn't until working with Gervais when I came up with the line, uh, my time is overdue like a synagogue roof that I thought that could be the best thing <laughs> ever written. <laughs> um, so I need you to score me okay. uh, on the same categories mm -hmm. for what you just heard. So first of all is originality. Based just on the BST thing and the fact that you're not a rapper, I think the flow is different to most rappers, which is, that's a good thing. That's a plus. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Okay, the I'll, fact that I'll take it as well. The fact that you're not a rapper at all, but you're able to put those multi-syllabic rhymes together is also a big plus. Um it's a three out of five for originality i'll um, take it yeah 
Pure teen horniness. Pure teen horniness is off the scale because a 19-year-old <laughs> shouldn't be sitting around writing raps when he's not a rapper. He should be out getting laid. 100%. That should be his only focus. Like, uh, I, Sure. I, I just reading between the lines, it's just, dude, just get out and speak to some women like now. To clarify, I'm pretty sure that I was at university. When I wrote this. That, see, that is terrifying. And you couldn't have been much more than a, a yeah. freshman. You must have been a first year. Yeah. Yeah. I was in that glory year. Dude, that <laughs> and this is how I spent it. is just sex and drugs. There's nothing else. <laughs> like, uh, actually, I think you'll find I was dropping an E. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe <laughs> literally just dropping it. Shit, where's it gone? Where's it gone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm presuming that's a five out of five. Yeah, I'd say it's, it's five out of five, considering the age and what you should have been doing. And what about Mickey Mouse Club score? Um, how much does it show my potential? What does it represent the me that you now know and recommend in The Observer? Well, that's interesting because I think we connected professionally initially because I think maybe I'd said that thing about you, but I remember you reaching out to me when you were prepping an Edinburgh, I think. And I think it had a rap in it. Was it Kanye yeah, it had a, uh, or something? It had a par- It had a oh, sort of the, like yeah, the old Kanye thing. I missed the old Reese James, yeah, the not as bold yeah, Reese yeah. James. It was yeah, that. Yeah, it was yeah. an audio track, and then I was like, it was while I was setting something up on the stage. I would just have that play, That's and right. I would sort of res- respond to it, like frown at it. It never really landed, but you know, it was something to do. But I remember you sending it to me, going, "Is this kosher? You know, what do you think of this?" And I thought it was a good idea, but you know, like we've already established, good ideas that we fucking had. <laughs> don't mean the same thing when you get punched in the face so i i think just on the basis of that old kanye thing i think okay now it sort of, sort of starts to make sense you've always had a sort of poetic edge that was eventually going to creep into somehow into your profession so uh yeah i'd say there's there's definite like echoes of that and the, the bst line has a cockiness to it which i uh definitely um I, that's what the kind of cockiness I think about when I think about Reese James, the comedian. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, great. Because the character that you present on stage is definitely there's like a sort of there's a there's a snideness to it which really gives it edge <laughs> and makes it funny. You know, like this guy is the fucking bollocks. Let me just remind you that I am the cleverest person in this room, <laughs> and the BST line smacks of that. So. Yeah. This, uh, this whole podcast really undermines that as you see what I was up to at 19. <laughs> but that's the beauty of stand-up, man. Like, I really felt it intensely when I, the closer I worked with Gervais, the more I did with him when, when we started touring together and all of that. I really noticed engaging with his fans. Like, they really think that's him. Like, <laughs> I do need an official score from you for Mickey Mouse Club out of five. Oh, right. So. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I think... It's sort of a three and a half, four, because you can't tell that you, there's nothing in there that suggests for me that you're going to be a stand-up, but knowing your stand-up, there's definitely lots in there that suggest the character that you develop. So I'd say it's a three and a half, maybe a four. Okay, cool. Well, I'll take it as an 11.5 out of 15, which means that I win the episode. Oh, 11. I, win. I didn't think that through. But, <laughs> well, don't worry about it, because the, the moral of this podcast is that we're both losers. <laughs> Thank you.
we have one last opportunity and that is for you to uninterrupted read us one last thing oh, as your final performance piece that we will produce up we will put music or sound effects or whatever you want underneath it to make it a fu- the, the performance piece your 15 year old self would have wanted when you were writing these very earnest lyrics let me dig into the 1994 folder because that just seems to have loads of terrible shit in it um here we go. Let's try this. And with this one, I want uh, I want no analysis as you're reading it. No, I no, just sure. want it. Sure. This is aggressively titled, Who's This? <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, here we go. Now it's my turn. I get up on the soapbox. Lyrically, I'm breaking doors and busting up locks. Invade your personal space with a rhyme or two. Pass them on to you like a kid with the flu. Sneezing. Uh, I'm just teasing. All the heads I'm pleasing, no wheezing, just breezing. So now you know my steezing. I'm about to show who's the authority. Breaking down your puny rap sorority. Check my philosophy. You think you're so supreme, but them sick lyrics need a month in quarantine. Getting progressively worse, like the Source magazine. Let me explain the way I build my game like Lego. Know my shit is tight from the start, from the get go. First I bring the consciousness in print down on the pad The beat needs to be fat, kinda hectic, kinda mad Then I spark a spliff and add a little riff of a guitar I love it when a plan comes together like George Peppard I'm ready for the street and anything that you throw at me I'm steady with the beat, you know this shit is like poetry I glow like kryptonite with the force of lightsabers With understanding, I find the perfect blend like neighbours <laughs> I, tr- I tried to hear your shit but you lost me though because your style was slow and boring like the cosby show act like you know because rap is a necessity incessantly you grab the mic and pester me you best to see that rapping ain't a game we play you want to kick back drink champagne and parlay you're lost in the dark my friend so find your way or i'll have to turn my back and be like have a nice day in my voice you detect a hint of sarcasm for an MC who don't own any skills and says he has them. Mm. I think that's it. Oh no, there's amazing. Wow. There's I mean more pages. <laughs> well, let me just say, I mean once again, so on brand. How ahead of your time are you? You've got fucking not only is it lyrics about flu, sneezing, yeah. and literally quarantine as we record this podcast, Crazy. but also you're anti-Cosby. Anti-Cosby, slow and boring. Anti-Cosby at this time. This time when Cosby would have been at the height of his popularity, <laughs> people would have been banging on about Cosby, the saviour of comedy. Yeah. And yet you're saying it's slow and boring. I mean, it's not the right reason to be anti-Cosby, but no. you couldn't have known that. No. no slow no. and boring. Um, oh, amazing. Also, also, don't you think as well? I mean, I just picked this at random through the book if, if anybody questions that there's the truth i just picked it at random there's also in a beautifully circular way to end the podcast um there's a reference to george peppard from the 80s yes <laughs> yeah, perfect. i mean to quote both george peppard and what you just said in that rap don't you love it when a plan comes together <laughs> i think it was really it important that i got out of the house and rap to people because when you're up on stage you really see the reaction to terrible lyrics and you're like, okay, let me, you make a mental note and you go, just like in stand up, let me get rid of that ASAP. That is dead, you know? And you start to realize- You must have good gone on stage. Oh man. 
you must you must have gone on stage and realized oh not everyone's as into the a team as i am <laughs> exactly that exactly that <laughs> but you you can it's so funny because i can see where i'd start to get a flow going and it starts to sound quite hard and then i just completely ruin everything i go I'm ready for the street and anything that you throw at me. I'm steady with the beat. You know, the shit is like poetry. I glow like kryptonite with the force of lightsabers. With understanding, I find the perfect blend like neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> so there it was, Doc Brown's early work. What an illuminating deep dive into how to put lyrics together. I think Ed Sheeran once described songwriting as turning on a tap and letting the dirty water run out of it before it gets clear, which is mental, actually. I mean, why has he got dirty water coming out of his taps? He's a millionaire. I mean, when have you ever seen a tap do that in person? Absolutely ridiculous. Ed Sheeran, you fucking moron. As I said in the intro, I will post some of the elephant photos and photos of a young Ben on my Instagram, at Reese Jamesy. If you want to follow that, make sure you follow Doc Brown. I don't think he's on Twitter, but you can find him on Instagram. If you like his song lyrics, he does have some much better ones in an actual proper album he recorded a couple of years ago called Stemmer, which is great. It's on Spotify and all that sort of stuff. Plus, he's got loads of comedy all over YouTube and stuff. Very, very funny, man. Go and check it out. Make sure to subscribe to Early Work and clap for Early Work at 8pm on Thursday nights, out of your window or on your doorstep. Bang your pots for Early Work. A lot of people have been doing that for the last few weeks don't miss out you're going to want to join in give us a five star rating if you want on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen to it write a review of it um, when I write a review is if you're writing an early Doc Brown lyric that can be your homework Okay, all you've got to do is just say it's good like and then something from TV in the early to mid 90s that's the trick that's it for this week though so I will see you next time goodbye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.